Welcome to the Rediscovering Your Creative Self podcast, where you get a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation for your creative practice. In and around and through. That was the advice that I was given when I was learning to figure draw. And in and around and through is kind of a way of looking at a subject, but the entire pictorial composition where that subject is part of. So what do I mean by that? So if you've got a model up on a model stand and you're either doing a drawing or a painting, you're finding a line or a shape or a space and you follow that line, maybe it's on the outside edge of the figure's arm. And then you find muscle tone, which carries you into the form of the arm. And then the line of the crease of the arm. And then you find yourself in the rib cage and you move from the rib cage across the body, following a shadow, for instance. And then that shadow leads you away from the body and into the background where you follow a curtain or a chair or something else that's in the atmosphere. So instead of looking at the figure and saying, this is the outline of the entire figure. Here's the outline of the portrait. Here's the outline of the of the eyes. Here's the outline of the nose and mouth, etc. You're starting to analyze and be sensitive to the fact that the figure, the clothing, the chair, the model stand, the space and all the elements in that pictorial space that you're, you know, creating on your pictorial two-dimensional format is all united. If you think of them as a unity in space, you will more accurately as well ex as expressively create your art. Let me explain even more from more of a science-based way of looking at it. When you have a figure in one environment, all of the lighting and the colors that surround that figure are going to change the color of the skin tones and everything about that figure. So everything affects everything else. So when we're trying to, you know, put something that's three-dimensional spatially, into a two-dimensional picture plane, we need to look at the thing as a whole. And when we start to execute that piece as a whole, we are then seeing relationships and not things. So what I mean is I'm not drawing an eye or an arm or a leg. I'm seeing the directional forces of the lines that create the composition. So I might be carried from the shoulder down into something in the space that creates a, just an arabesque, you know, a gestural force, a interesting connection between the figure and the space. If I'm painting and I'm not capturing something in a linear way, I'm putting color on my brush and I'm 
creating echoes of that color wherever I made the marks. So if we go back to our arm and I'm describing a plane on that arm, maybe the bony aspect of the arm, and then I'm going to be seeing where that color is echoed somewhere else in the picture plane. Because if we have interesting marks or interesting notes of color that allow the eye to rhythmically go from one point to another in our visual landscape, okay, the visual picture plane, then we are creating a dance with color. We are creating a dance with lines. It's not a, ooh, 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 you know, stop, start, stop, start, irregular kind of feeling. Our colors that we mix have relationships. So we're not just picking out all kinds of different colors from the tube and applying them to the surface. Although I see many, many painters when they're first starting, that's what they do because they're seeing everything as a separate unit. There's no harmony. There's no balance. There's no connectivity. And I think that's important. You know, when I was teaching figure drawing, one session, one of my students said, Professor Sear is the Mr. Miyagi of figure drawing class. And I always thought that was really funny. And I know exactly what he's talking about. Because like my teachers before me, I would always be going, you know, behind the students and, and reminding them with things like go in and around and through the figure. I'd also say, you know, things like when they're trying to create an edge, you don't always need to do it with a line. Two tones that meet up create an edge. And then you can lose the edge in some spaces, you know, letting parts of the light go into the light or parts of the dark going into the dark. Don't have to trap it in. And it creates such eye candy for the mind when you have this sense of openness and closure in whatever subject you do, whether it's a landscape or it's a still life or it's a figure or it's just an abstract. It's all the same. The eye loves when it can move from spaces. It loves that. And, you know, other things that, you know, I always think are, are helpful is how you process what you're doing while you're working. So in other words, are you asking questions to yourself? Okay, what does that eye look like? Or are you asking questions on that shape? Is it, is the, is, is it the line going up? Is it going across? Is it coming down? What angle is that? And what angle does that relate to? If I go right from that small space, that angle of the eye, you know, right from the eye down through where it hits, you know, the nostrils, wherever that angle relates to. Look for relationships. Look for connectivity between in and around and through, right? 
it doesn't matter if it's the face, the face to the background, the hair to the background, the hair to the face, to the arm, all the same. Shapes, strokes, lines, abstracted, not only in your way of looking at it, but in the questions you ask yourself. Sometimes when my students are struggling with just the right angle of something, especially at a very complex area in the human body, because I, I taught figure drawing, I would say picture, there's a little ant and that ant is traveling on that line. Is the ant going up? And it really focus your eye, continue moving on that line. And where does the ant change directions? Where does it change? Really look at it. And in that split second, you are going to understand that. One of the biggest things I've ever learned from another great teacher that I had uh, in Boston um, for figure drawing is he would say, you can't communicate onto the pictorial surface a curve. But what you can do, what the brain can do, is it can analyze that curve in straight lines. So whether those straight lines are so small and minute that they build to a curve, but those straight lines, again, that ant that's crawling on the surface, it it just completely changed how I draw because I was better able to analyze angles and analyze the straight lines, whether they were coming up, going down, and I could take my full arm, you know, and extend it and, and take my instrument, my painting brush or my pencil, whatever I was using, and I could just look right at the model and boom, transfer that angle down, like a nice big stroke. So I could analyze it, I could see it. It wasn't just like, okay, look at the model. Okay, now remember this complex curve. I, too hard to do. But in doing that bigger mark when I'm away from the model helped a lot with being able to see, hey, that instrument that I'm now lining up has a connection with something that's going on in the background. And so when I start to look and make all those connections right, I'm better able to describe the form that I'm trying to produce. So next time that you're either working from life, it doesn't matter if it's a figure or a landscape or a still life, go in and around and through. If it's a, a still life and you've got some fruit and flowers and an apple, you know, don't think of them in that way. Think of them as connected, connected to the background, connected as overall shapes of light and dark, you will have a much easier way, a better path where you're working with what your brain can do because it's taking out these inherent picture symbols that you've kept um, since you were a kid, you know, an eye looks like this, you know, or arm looks like that. And we all know when something's in perspective or something is at a weird angle, it doesn't look like that. It only looks like that when it's straight on. It's too complex for us to, you know, figure out things that are in space that um, aren't just flat and straight on. So give 
in and around and through, not only a try in your work as you're trying to translate something in three dimensions or even a photograph into your, your working surface, but also in your mind. Catch yourself. Are you saying, how does this eye look? Take the eye out. What's the angle? What's the value? What's the shape? Think more abstractly. I think you'll have a much better time, a much easier time. And the other really cool thing is it's going to transfer your brain from a left brain thinking, which is so time oriented and it's not always the best place to be for certain things, but other things it is. But in art, the right side of the brain, that's the place that doesn't feel time pressures. Um, and therefore you'll get lost into the beauty of the creating experience. Have a great day, and as always, create from the heart. This audio series is part of my Navigating the Labyrinth of the Creative Mind Patreon endeavor. The site uniquely intermixes self-reflection and personal storytelling with exploratory mixed-media techniques and expressive approaches to art making, elevating the creative consciousness and guiding each person on his or her own path to discovering the creative spark that resides within. Check us out at www.patreon.com slash Lisa L. Seer, and that's spelled C-Y-R.